Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And this show for today, I mean, I had so much fun just like having these conversations with different people and and just getting their backgrounds on what they do in connection to the world of sports, whether they are a former athlete, uh, former broadcaster, or just anybody within that vicinity of just working in the game. Uh, I always take a lot from it. Like, you know what I mean? You Some of the little jobs that you see that you may say, oh, okay, well, how did that person do that? How did that person get into that career in regards to the world of sports? I like to bring those people on, whether it's fitness or or like, you know, it, it could even be medicine and working as a trainer. These are all big factors when it comes to the world of sports. And on this show, I like to be able to have these one-on-one intimate interviews with these people. So today is no different. I have uh, Miss Danielle Wallace. She is a uh, former cheerleader with the Detroit Lions. She did some stuff with the Pistons. She was also a cheerleader back in college for Michigan State. And was actually, I think, the only black or African-American cheerleader at the time when she was on the squad. So her story is just it's really um, unique. It's uh, really exciting. And she talks about just the life of moving from Detroit to New York and, you know, working as a dancer and just the different opportunities that she is out there trying to, to pursue and just how hard it is to become a cheerleader. It's not just being a pretty face. It's not just having, you know, dance and talent and all that. You have to have all this this uh, different fitness routines and hard work. But uh, it's like I said, I had a great, great time talking to her. And um, you guys are really going to learn a lot about what the world of uh, cheerleading is all about and what you have to go through because I definitely learned a lot. And I'm still in awe about all that she had went through. Also, I had the fortunate opportunity to talk with former NBA All-Star, Philadelphia 76ers legend, Theo Ratliff. Theo Ratliff now played in the league for 16 seasons. You know, he um, most notably played for the Sixers for about five years. And uh, most of those years with Allen Iverson, he was a one-time All-Star. The guy was such a great rim protector. I mean, I remember watching so many games. He had like three or four blocks per game. The guy really did his job down there. And um, you want to talk about one of the few blue collar players that knew how to do the job and knew how to make other players better around him. That was Theo Ratliff. So he's now continuing that trend, but in a different way. He's he's working to make kids all around the nation a lot better as he's come out with his own like children's book. And it's a project with his anti-bullying tour called Theo the Hero. Great stuff. Um, just had a great time talking to him about that, as well as the students at the school that he visited in Brownsville, Brooklyn. He uh, visited PS 284 and just talked to different students about what they need to do in terms of just fighting um, bullying and and just being there for one another. And it was really a very unique experience. So not only am I going to play the uh, interview I did with him, asking him a few questions about his time with Allen Iverson, as well as just the, the comparison to players from his era to now. Uh, we also, I have some exclusive audio of him speaking to the students and having like a little Q&A back and forth, as well as the uh, the, the great um, professionals and, uh, and teachers and, and aides that were there helping out the students, giving their thoughts on how they can combat bullying. It was really a great program and just a great, a, a great community initiative 
to make things better. So um, I, I had a great time. Uh, it was something that you it needs to be done more, especially in neighborhoods like that. I'm from East New York, and I know the dangers that are out there, and it's still out there for a lot of these kids today, and how you get caught, get caught up in bullying, get caught up with following the crowd, and, and just doing things that others may have problems with, because this leads to all the issues that you see on the news when you talk about people bringing guns to school, doing violent, you know, retaliation acts. All these things can be avoided, and I, like I said, I, I definitely, you know, applaud the efforts by uh, Theo Ratliff and and all that he's doing in regards to just passing on the knowledge, letting kids know like there are other ways to do it. And he's such a polarizing figure. I mean, the guy is 6'11". He walks in there. He talks to every student and uh, gives his own personal uh, views on things and just stuff that he went through. He has kids of his own as well. And it was definitely a uh, a unique experience for these kids. And, and it was great because it's a it's a school that you wouldn't expect for him to visit being like I said a former NBA all-star and uh, I I just really like to see things like that and like I said the school was amazing and I I hope everyone enjoys the audio of it a little bit later in the show but first in its entirety here's the interview I had with Miss Danielle Wallace Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. we are back here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio and I am joined in studio with, honestly, one of the more talented people I've ever met. She's a dancer. She does uh, so many different things. She actually came here from Detroit, and she has such an interesting story to share because she was a professional cheerleader and maybe come again, but we're going to find out in this conversation. We have Miss Danielle Wallace here. Danielle, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, I'm happy that you're here, you know, because first of all, we started talking. It was just like a, a kind of a random encounter. Mm-hmm. And you were just you just kind of came out and said, yeah, you know, I was a cheerleader for um uh, for the Detroit Lions. I was like, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> and uh, we didn't lead and lead with that. Like, you know, <laughs> so I was like, I had to get you in the studio. We had to discuss this. We had to get because there's so many questions. People understand they see cheerleaders all the time, whether it's in um, college or. Or in the pros, and yet they don't know the stories. You know, we've seen, we know all the rumors, quote unquote, and the movies and all that other stuff, but we don't know the real life of a cheerleader. And I think you would be the perfect person to give that insight on that. So, um, first, I just want to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Okay. Life in Detroit, we have to debunk all the rumors and all the the people. Yes, because people like to say, oh, you know, Detroit ain't got no money. You know, they just got, like, cardboard. All the jokes, you've heard them probably. What's going on in Detroit? What's up? What's the real deal? Detroit is amazing. It's a beautiful city. Um, It's definitely back on the come up, I'll say. We have a lot going on in our downtown area. All of our teams are back in one area or are in one area. Um, I think this is the first time in history that that's happened in Detroit where all of our stadiums are right in our downtown, right in our Mm -hmm. backyard. Um, but it's a beautiful city. All the, I think the issue with Detroit is people focus so much on the negative and the crime rates. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's blasted in the news most of the time. Mm-hmm. But that happens in every major city. You never hear about the positive stuff. That's they always say there's no jobs. That's, that's what I keep hearing. There's no jobs. There's, you know, people just like, just broken cars all over the place. <laughs> like that, that's the, you see like an Eminem, I remember seeing the Eminem video and they were talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, well, this doesn't look like some place I want to visit, you know? It's one area, one neighborhood. That's 
probably one half of a block, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. The entire city is not like that. We have mm. great areas. Um, we have great neighborhoods, great schools. But, again, just like any other major city, we have our problems. Right, right. Okay, because, you know, you got to be sure about these things. You know, just, just let's get that out of the way. <laughs> now, let's talk about you. Um, you've been dancing, what, like, basically for, for a long time, for forever? For a long time. I started dancing in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I did do all-star cheer teams, gymnastics, all that little kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I started really taking it serious and training um, in my ninth grade year of high school. My dance teacher, Gina Ellis, who is a former dancer for Alvin Ailey, um, she saw me, and I was just, you know how you have to take, like, a physical education class. And oh, yeah. So I was signed up for dance my mm-hmm. freshman year, um, and she kind of saw me moving and was like, like, no, you need to train and take this serious. Like, you could really go far. Wow. So I really credit her for just taking me under her wing. That's like that movie <laughs> moment when there's like, you know, no, you're special. Like, you know, someone it just pulled you to the side. That's like that. And she like called my mom and was like, can she stay after school and train with my upperclassmen dancers and blah, blah, blah. Wow. They didn't even talk to me about it. I was just kind of like, oh, I'm staying today. Okay. Like, you know, nervous. All these seniors. <laughs> I'm 14. Like, oh my God, they're so good. But right. Like, yeah. Clearly it turned out to be a great choice. <laughs> she, she knew what she was talking about right there, right? And um, you you just loved it, like, basically ever since, you know, it just... I absolutely fell in love with dance. Hmm. Um, it was a little bit of a struggle for me to transition from gymnastics and cheer to dance, which probably people were like, how is that a struggle? But they're so different. Right. Um, and cheer and gymnastics is very, like, stiff and straight and, like, hit this and hit that. Mm-hmm. And with um, contemporary and lyrical dance, what I was doing with her and modern um, techniques, you have to be more fluid. You have to connect movement, and it's not so stiff. Um, so I that was really, for me, where a lot of my training had to come into place, learning the different techniques, learning different ways my body could move and what it could do. Um but once I got the, the hang of it and knew, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be a dancer. Right, right. So just you said that, like, the movements and all the stuff that go into it, mm-hmm. the training. Yeah. Now, it, here's the thing. People think, okay, because, you know, cheerleaders or just dancers in general, mm-hmm. that you just have to make sure you're in some type of shape. This is like a whole other level of training y'all go through, yes, right? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, absolutely. can you give people a little insight on that? The interesting part is there are so many genres of dance, just like music or anything else artistic. Um, So training in ballet is completely different from training in tap, which is completely different from training in jazz, which is even more different from training in hip-hop. And with hip-hop, you have poppers and lockers, break dancers, and all this different kind of stuff. So it's really about, for one, figuring out what you're good at innately Mm -hmm. so that you know, you can continue to stay strong in those areas. But then when you step into different areas, you have to learn how to switch your brain and switch your movements from, okay, I'm in this ballet class. I need my arm placement to be here. I need my body to be up, stomach right, in, right. you know, be tight, all of that, to now I'm going into this street jazz class. Relax. Like, I don't have to be so straight up and pointed feet and, wow. you know, head tilted to the right, this angle and all that stuff. So it's really... Finding a balance between all of that mm-hmm. and doing them to the best of your ability. That's really, that's good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like I said, you're talking to a guy who I can't even 
barely do a two-step. Oh, but, um, you know, <laughs> the fact that you, you have to do all of this just to be in the right physical shape mm-hmm. for whatever dance you're about to perform is, mm-hmm. is a lot, you know. But people, this is what you have to go through. I hope you're listening. <laughs> now, let's get to the actual, like, uh, cheerleading. And, and you were actually mentioning this before. You were with Michigan. You went to Michigan State. I went to Michigan State. Go green. Yes, go green. <laughs> and you were on the cheerleading squad in Michigan oh, State. And I did my research. You know, and I'm going to put this, because I'm actually have this on the website as well, keepingrealsports.com. Okay. I saw a screenshot, mm-hmm. and it looked like you there, and I'm pretty sure that was you. What was it? It looked like a, a girl, Michigan State, and I said, that couldn't be her, right? I'll, <laughs> I'll show you later, but I'm okay. going to put it up. If it is you, I'm posting it up. Okay. Okay. Now, how was that experience for um, being a cheerleader at Michigan State? Because that's, as, that's a huge school. Big 10. What's yeah. up? <laughs> so when I tell you that dancing for Michigan State was one of my favorite dance experiences so far in my life, and I've had a lot of dance experiences, mm-hmm. but the energy of dancing for a Big Ten school is unmatched. Really? I can legit remember my first time ever walking into our football stadium. So if you have you ever been to a Big Ten football game? No, I haven't. Oh my goodness, we got to get you some tickets. Okay, I'm hey, I'm all for it. <laughs> but the energy in the stadium, just being there to watch, yeah, is insane. So imagine being on the field, being the one inciting and producing that energy. It is like unreal. Hmm. It. I okay. This is going to be very dramatic and probably over the top. It's all. Hey, this is what it's all about. <laughs> it's, it's what we're here for. I can imagine how Beyonce feels getting her energy from the crowd. Oh, like, we got a Beyonce like, comparison. I like it. Well, I said it was going to be dramatic. <laughs> 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 but no, that's just like the type of energy that's at our games. Like, mm. we're okay. I'm I'm gonna put on a little bit. Do it. But we're great. <laughs> Okay. In our sports areas, football, basketball, baseball, swim, you name it. Like, we're great. Can you tell if you went to Michigan State? I'm making sure people realize that. <laughs> they, if they didn't know, you know. <laughs> My degree may or may not, but probably may, you know. <laughs> I come from there, just saying. Um, number one school for college, we get education as well. But we're <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, that it was seriously one of my all-time favorite experiences. Basketball mm. and football. They're totally different um, experiences and how the games flow, um, how and when we perform mm-hmm. for the crowds. What we what we do is kind of the same. Everybody knows the Michigan State fight song. Everybody knows the songs that we sing at the end. Right. Everybody kind of knows our chants and stuff. But just being able to yell us, what, 20 dancers and cheerleaders saying, go green, and these thousands of people screaming, go white, so there was There was no nerves? Crazy. Like, there was no nerves? Like, you're in front of all these people, no. and you're doing flips and stuff? It's and such an adrenaline rush that you forget to be nervous. Wow. It's like after, or if somebody screenshots ESPN, and here you are, it's kind of like, wow, so I was on ESPN, that's how I looked, they got all smiling, like, my mom did that several times, like, I forgot you guys were playing today, but as soon as I clicked on, there you were, like, oh, okay, hey, mom, like, yes. Now, how is it, when you're in college now, how is the travel, because do you travel with the team to every single game, is that how it goes? So, interesting, um, when I first joined the team, travel would go by seniority. Hmm. So only the upperclassmen would travel with the team because they only have a certain amount of cheerleaders and dancers who can travel um, to away games, bowl games, special games, whatever that looks like. Right. Um, but when 
I started becoming an upperclassman, they changed it a little bit, and we would have a point system. Mm. And so we had all of these extra events and stuff we would have to do as dancers and cheerleaders. So we would have to perform at um, alumni events. We would have to do community service events. We would have to perform at and or judge like our gymnastics meets, volleyball, just random stuff to be involved with the school. Right. And so you got a certain amount of points for the more stuff you did, the more points you rack up. Okay. So when it came, because everybody wanted to travel. Everybody wants to go to the That's, bowl games. Yeah. Everybody wants to do the Michigan, Michigan State game. Oh, yeah. right. I can imagine how yeah. crazy that game is. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody wants to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Then, you know, then it becomes competitive because everybody's like, well, I can't, I'm available to, you know, mm-hmm. coach, be at the volleyball game. I'm available to do the alumni events. And so when it comes time to travel, you know, our coach would go down. She will look at the point system. Mm-hmm. How many dancers are we able to take? Six. Okay. Who are the six who has the most points? Wow. These are six who are going. It's like rewards points and everything. That's yeah. real. Wow. I mean, it was honestly the most fair way to do it, too, because, you know, you're mm-hmm. working for this reward. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I like that. I like that. Now, I, I got to ask, I got to ask some nerd questions, okay? It's Sports nerd okay. questions. It's, it's only fair because you went to Michigan State. Okay. Um, Tom Izzo. I love him. Great guy. Because <laughs> I, I, I hear good things. And I don't know if you noticed, but recently he was on an episode of Judge Mathis. Judge Mathis. He was just sitting. <laughs> it, it was weird because before he acknowledged, you know, Judge Mathis acknowledged, mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there like, isn't that Tom Izzo? He just smiling like really wide so in the front row. <laughs> It, it, having a great time. Having a great, it's just, it's hilarious to me. Like, he's really like that, though. Really? Like, we, I always see him yelling him, on the, uh, you know, at people. Every time I've seen him outside of yelling at the <laughs> six, five basketball players, right? Yeah. Because he's like, you know, yeah. He's, he's a little smaller. <laughs> but every time I've seen him outside of that, like just walking through campus, going through the tunnels, mm-hmm. um, at awards, banquets, wherever. Right. He is the nicest person really like just a, that's what judge Mathis said too <laughs> just genuine just always smiling speaking to everybody make sure everybody's good and taken care of mm-hmm. his wife is like that too okay. like they are just nice people they make you like want to smile <laughs> and give them hugs <laughs> that is great to hear i like to hear stories about people like that especially when you only see them you know like looking stressed out on the sidelines, <laughs> screaming at people <laughs> so now okay now i gotta ask what years did you attend were you a cheerleader at uh, Michigan State. Was it one year, two years? Or? No. So I was a cheerleader for two and a half years. Okay. So my freshman year was 2009. Okay. I graduated in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I told myself, like, I'm just going to go to college and go to class and get my <laughs> degree. I'm just going to be a regular college student. That didn't last long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my friends worked with the um, athletic department. Mm-hmm. And she told me about an audition that was coming up. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I just want to go, you know, be in class and focus and, you know, whatever. And so they audition twice a year. Right, right. They audition in the spring to get ready for football season. Okay. And then they do an audition in the fall, which you have to wait, get ready for basketball season. Right. So she told me about the spring audition, and that's when I was like, well, I'm okay. And then something happened in the athletic department where people were complaining about there not being enough African-American representation outside of football and basketball. Interesting. And so she was like, I really think you should audition. Um, You're great. Like, you're a really good dancer. There's no reason for them to not put you on the team. Mm -hmm. And you're black. And that's what they need. Wow. And I was like, no, I'm going to fuck. Like, still just being like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. 
literally like two days before the audition. And I was like, <laughs> all right, what time is the audition? I'll at least go and see what the process is. Exactly, like. yeah. Um, and so with the process of auditioning for, which I found this out later, goes for professional teams too, there are like rounds. Of yeah. They'll do like a first round where you learn something really basic and then they'll do a cut. And then they'll do a second round when you learn something way more technical. Um, we learned a fight song. We learned like a jazz routine and a hip hop routine. Mm-hmm. And then they call you in and you start auditioning in groups of two out of like hundreds of girls. Wow. And it's like, okay, I got to stand out next to this girl. So then later on, I can stand out next to the other hundreds of girls. Right, and, right. You know, do my thing. So then that's a round. Then if you make it through that round, yeah. you move on to day two. Just like that. Just like that. So then day two is interviews. Mm-hmm. I want to meet you. You know, why do you want to be a part of our team? What can you add to our team? What kind of person are you? What do your grades look like, first and foremost? Because oh, yeah, we that's important. School. Right, right, right. People forget that, you know. <laughs> forget that. Like, you know, we, we got to take academics serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go through the interview process. If you make it through the interview process, then, then you move on to the final rounds. It's three rounds now. Jeez. And then after the final rounds... You, you do your thing, and then you wait to see if they post your name. Just like wait that. To see if you made it. Wow. So it's like real dramatic. They just have it's to post your name so on the thing. So much drama. Jeez. So much anxiety. They email <laughs> you, too. So I remember reading my uh, acceptance through an email, and I was just like, whew, all that. Thank you. Goodness, I made it. <laughs> and the even more dramatic part. Yeah. You have to audition every year. You, you know, I've heard that. And that's why I think it's so weird because they still do that with everything. With every, yeah. Whether um, cheerleader, dance team, you have to audition every You, you can every even be the captain and you still have to do it again. That's year. insane. Your spot is not guaranteed. You can't, there's no security. There is no security. You have to fight for your spot every oh, year. All right. Well, you know, I got to – okay, now I got to transition that All into right. now the pros. Yes. The Detroit team, um, the Detroit Lions, right? They didn't have an official um, cheerleading squad. Nope. but. Uh, what were they called? I'm sorry, the Detroit, Detroit Pride Cheerleaders. Detroit Pride Cheerleaders. Yes. What made you say, okay, let me go and see if I can become a Detroit Pride Cheerleader? Again, someone called me. <laughs> <laughs> someone called and was like, have you heard of these auditions? I think you would be great. You need to go do this. Mm. Um, and again, at that time, it was my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. The auditions were before I even graduated. Okay. And so they were telling me, like, just go. Just go home for the weekend. Do the audition. Go back to school. You know, either you'll make it or you won't. Just give it a try. Mm-hmm. So, again, I was like, no, I got finals coming up. <laughs> we're still in basketball season with Michigan State. I got these games still going on. Like, <laughs> you know, just a college senior, just stressed out. Right. I'm applying for jobs. I got to do my grad school stuff, whatever. Um. And so, again, like the day before the audition, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll drive home. I'll do it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why I make these last-minute decisions. I like the stress, maybe. Oh, yeah. You never know. It, the anxiety pushes me. It works for a lot of people. It's all good. Listen, so <laughs> just as in college um, auditions, there are different rounds that you have to make it through. Mm-hmm. So we learn something, they do a cut. We learn something else, they do a cut. We learn something else, you go home and come back. Like, it's literally, like, the same thing. Right. Um, the only difference with theirs was when they got down to their final group of girls, they did a voting for the public. Oh. So you had, oh, wow. So you had to be, like, really campaigning for yourself. Yes. That's, wow, that's kind of uh, nerve-wracking, huh? 
when I tell like American you, Idol almost. I was like, do I even know enough people to vote? <laughs> like, how, what am I supposed to do? I post, do, do, can I post on Facebook? Do I post on Instagram? What do I do? Do I yeah. tweet? Like, it's, it's so nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell you I got the surprise of my life when I posted that I needed people to go vote for me so I could make the team, mm-hmm. and I had so much support. Like, I remember crying to my mom. Like, um, different frats and sororities at Michigan State were nice. posting my stuff nice. for their um, frat brothers and sorority sisters to vote for me. Um, different groups and my church and just, I was just like, oh my goodness, I don't even know some of these people, but thank you. Like, mm-hmm. it was so overwhelming, the response um, of support. So, with all that, you know, I made the team and we had all of these uh, meetings and all of these trainings and workshops for makeup and hair and interviews, how to conduct yourself at the tailgates, wow. what happens when we walk into the stadium, dress fittings, photo shoots. Like it, I mean, it. once you make the team, it just. It's a lot of it's just. It's a lot. It's, <laughs> you know, like the Mr. Krabs meme where like everything is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Like what is even happening around me? Um and mind you, I'm still a senior in college. Yeah, but I say you're like, still in school. I was just going to bring that up. I'm still in school. Um, and it was so so much so that the week after my graduation from Michigan State, I had to go on a cruise with the team hmm. for our uh, swimsuit calendar photo shoot. Oh, okay. Which was like the best graduation gift to me ever. That, that is pretty cool, right? I wasn't complaining. So wait, so you had to actually like do the whole like modeling and the whole... Yes. So what month were you? I was the cover. So oh, side cover, yeah, and then I was the back cover. Mm. Okay, it's cool. It's my first year on the team. Hey, hey. I'm the rookie. Congrats! So you, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you made a lot of friends. You made a lot of friends with the veterans, oh, huh? Okay. <laughs> like, who, who, who even is this? Which okay. I already had yeah. black because they were like, "Oh, she's coming from a college team. She really thinks she knows." Mm-hmm. What she's doing. <laughs> it's a lot of shade. A lot of a lot of, shade. A lot of that. Oh, oh man! So now I, I got to ask this question, obviously, because we go back to the beginning of time when they talk about cheerleaders and professional athletes or just athletes in general. Is it true that there are rules where the athletes cannot or the, or should I say the cheerleaders cannot talk to the athletes? Yes. Wow. So in professional sports, not so much in college. In college, they're like, you know, yes, yeah, you're college together, students. Yeah. On the same campus. It's whatever. Um, it's not encouraged. No. But it's not specifically said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't hang out. <laughs> right, right, right. But in professional sports, there are line items mm-hmm. in your contract that say, you know, no fraternizing with the players. If something happens, if you are caught or if, you know, mm-hmm. you're seen out or whatever that looks like, there are fines. Like, not like $100 fine because we heard you guys were at the McDonald's at the same Yeah, that's, that's like, too much. It? It's thousands of dollars in fines. Thousands of dollars. Yes. At least when I was on the team. I'm, I can't speak for, for right now. professional teams. I can't speak for, you know, yeah, what their contracts say right now. Mm-hmm. But when I was on the team, it was like an unrealistic amount of money to pay. Wow. And, fines. and they were serious. Like, they stressed that but to I, no end. Is it because they just had a big worry about their becoming some type of story out of it? I mean, you know, we hear this, we hear this stuff all the time. But, uh, wow, I didn't think they would, like, throw that much money 
that's a lot of money to be throwing so, at you guys. There were a lot of worries. Of course, you know, nobody wants the stories with the scandals and the cheerleaders and the players and all of that extraness. But so again, when I first joined the team, they were transitioning and trying to get the approval to be the official cheerleaders of the Lions. So that's probably why. That's the whole reason. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Ford was so against having cheerleaders because that was one of her main things. Like, right. You no, know, we don't need these girls distracting the players and, you know, carrying on and with all this extra stuff. And so if something was to ever come out that one of the cheerleaders was dating a player, there's her whole point proven, right? Right, there. right, right. So, yeah. So it was very stressed. That, that is, this is very. This cannot happen. And if it does, we better not find out. <laughs> Okay, so whether what was like um, you're you're part of a professional team, obviously, uh, you see the players often. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's such a different, you know, big difference from having doing it in college, where it was more like you know team spirit, mm-hmm. to doing it in a professional level? Was there a huge difference in that aspect? Yes, but I'll say that because again, in a college atmosphere. You see the players more. Right. You see them in a more um, chill environment. Mm-hmm. You have classes with some of them. Some of them, y'all might eat in the same cafeterias. Um, of course, everybody's at the same parties and hangouts and all that stuff. Right, right. So it's totally different being 20, 19, 20, still trying to figure out your life mm-hmm. than being a full-grown adult. And now, what are the chances of me seeing this player outside of things that are associated with the team. Right. So that that makes a huge difference. That is a huge difference. But uh you know what? I have to ask now because you're not you're are you currently cuz you made the move to New York. You made the big move to New York. You want to pursue things out here. Yes. Would there be any consideration for working for any of the teams out here like in terms of being a cheerleader or a dancer cuz you got the Brooklyn Nets? You got the New York Knicks, you know. They, they have different styles. The Knicks City dances are very different from the Brooklyn Nets dances. I don't know if you noticed it. I have. The good thing yeah. about me is that I'm versatile. Okay. Right? So I okay. can go to any of the auditions, and I think I'll be just fine. I can hold my own. Um, but I would consider dancing for a New York team. I love the experience of dancing for a team. Mm-hmm. I love the energy that comes with dancing for a team. Um, of course, I love to perform. Right. And when it's that time for a team to get in center court or center field, and take those few minutes to perform, like, all eyes on you. I absolutely love that. Hmm. So I would definitely consider it, you know, whenever auditions roll around. Um, <laughs> I'll probably do the same thing where I say, no, I'm just going to trade. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever. She going to wait till there's five minutes left. <laughs> five minutes left before you got to put the uh, oh, the yeah. application in. Oh, That's yeah. where she puts her name in. I'm trying to print out headshots <laughs> and get myself ready because... History shows I like the stress, right? <laughs> hey, it, it's work though, right? You see, so if it, hey, till it stops working, you keep doing it. That's Absolutely. what it's all about. So now, obviously, you're, you're dancing. Mm-hmm. You've been doing uh, different things. Like, what type of projects are you uh, working on? Or are you just trying to get into besides, you know, cheerleading and mm-hmm. such? Okay, so I moved here a few months ago for for good. Okay. Let me go back. So, (laughs) (laughs) I would travel to New York a lot for auditions and Mm -hmm. workshops and things like that because this is one of the places where if you're going to pursue something in the arts, it's to make it happen. And so, eventually, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm paying for all these plane tickets, paying for Airbnbs, paying for Ubers, all that. I might as well pay somebody's rent. 
and just be there. <laughs> so I moved here with the intention of continuing training right. in other areas of dance that I do. Um, I am currently seeking representation from an agent or a manager. Okay. So that I can do more commercial work. And so a lot of um, NBA, NFL dancers and all that, they a lot of them have agents or are um, Part of an agency. Part of an agency. Right. So that they can do their teamwork, but also be contracted to do other things, commercials, tours, videos. Which is very important. Which is very important. Yeah. Somebody has to, you know. Make sure the money keeps coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a hustle. It's a hard <laughs> thing. Somebody's got to, you know, mm-hmm. get the bread and butter. Um, so that that's what my focus is on right now, finding representation so that I can... Um, move into working more and on a a larger scale. Okay. Yeah. I like it. And this is New York. You can make it here, make it anywhere. And that's like the old time saying, but you know. It holds true. Alright, and you're enjoying it so far, right? I do love New York so far. Okay. Got to make sure. She's like, I'm in New York. I might as well say, you know, tell them we want to hear. But um, it's all good. <laughs> uh, is there like a social media links, anything you want to let people know? They can follow you, catch up yes. with you. So all of my social is the same. I'm Danny, D-A-N-I. You can follow me at D underscore Lanice. That's D underscore L-A-N-I-C-E. Follow me. I follow back. Uh-oh. <laughs> she will follow back. And uh, what we're going to do is cause we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, I'm going to play the interview I had with Theo Ratliff, just talking to him about his career as well as his new um, project that he's working on. Because during the break, I need to I have to ask some important questions I can't ask on air. Okay. For example, how's how's the real Dream Dream on Green? Like I want some, I want I some, you. I want some dirt. <laughs> I want to know some real stuff. Okay, you. you're listening to Sports Social with Eddie C. Jr. We'll be right back. Just Max, what are your thoughts on today's centers in the NBA? Do you feel like the game has evolved with them, or oh, like you a fan of it? I mean, yeah, you got guys now, you know, stepping outside where that wasn't a normal thing. I mean, you got a lot of guys that play like a Kim Olajuwon used to play. Where he step outside, Kim really didn't shoot threes, but you have a lot of guys that have that same skill set with the NBA, the Cousins. Uh, you talk about Towns. I mean, you go down the list. On those guys, like they're super athletic, playing with guard handles. Whereas guys, I came up, we didn't really have dribbling coaches that worked out dribbling and, and developed those skills. But now they're doing it so young. Now as they grow, they're able to continue to keep those skills skill level. Right, right. Is there any uh, center today that reminds you of yourself a little bit uh, um, defensively? Such a you know a great uh, rim protector. I would say um, what's my man name in, in Houston. It, it reminds me definitely of a, a young man. Oh, Capella? Uh, Capella. Yeah. Capella. Yeah. Um, he's definitely changing the game for Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, with those scores, you know, at the guard spot and two yeah. threes, he's definitely dominating on the inside, in the middle, and got that pick and roll thing down, packed with, with, with Harden, and, and now you got Chris Ball over there, so his numbers are way up. And he's looking like an all-star to me, for real. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of all-stars, you were an all-star. Mm-hmm. And uh, you played with Allen Iverson. Yes. Was there any, like, a memorable moment uh, oh, while playing man. with him uh, that you want to, like, just talk about? Oh, uh, man, it was, it was, it was so, so many with that guy, man. You're talking about the heart of a lion. I mean, the true heart of a lion. We were never out the game. I mean, we always knew he could get hot at any minute and run 25 off on, you know, anybody. 
Um, but, you know, you talk about a guy with the determination and the drive um, that he played with, you know, that he practiced with. You know, a lot of people talk about his practice stuff, but, you know, when Allen practiced, Allen practiced like he played. You know, all he needed was a little challenge. <laughs> Took a East Snow or Aaron McKee or somebody to say something crazy to him. And he'd be out there like, you know, just like he's playing the game. And, and his true words is, um, you never know what the next day uh, have promise. Right. And you go play every game like a, like his life. So he was truly the guy that epitomized that. He did that every time he stepped out on the floor. And, and that's what I remember and loved about him most of being his team. Yeah. Um, now, this whole project, Theo the Hero, yes. what made you uh, want to go through a project like this? Well, through one of my publishers, um, Michael Harris, who, you know, I, I was with when I was in, in, with Philly. Um, he's, he's did a, a series of, of, of kid, kids' books, and we decided that, you know, my story needed to be, you know, kind of told yeah. this, but we wanted to do it in a kid-friendly place to address literacy and also a big topic, which is anti-bullying. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I had went through that, you know, at such a young age mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that these young kids need to have a solution, you know what I mean, where they don't feel like it's, uh, you know, they just alone. You know, it happens to the big guys too, <laughs> so to speak. So. So everybody has something that, you know, somebody talks about or, 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 or jives about in certain ways. It's a matter of how much it happens and how often it happens to where it becomes the bullying part. So, so having that opportunity to put that together and me having kids, young kids, um, it was just definitely a big topic um, just around the country and it's still a big topic around the country. Um, being able to, to put this together. I mean, think we did the book like five years ago, but now I'm just getting a, a chance to really get a real program behind it. You right. know, it's always been a part of my foundation and what I talked about and what I spoke about. And now I'm really creating a platform for kids to actually do and address the issue. Because I, what I did do was want to just come to a school or, or, or lead a book somewhere, and the kids read it for that moment, and then everything goes away. Having an actual curriculum, it becomes a mainstay with the group, and that, that's the purpose of it. Yeah. Uh, for, during the tour, have you met anybody, uh, any of the kids that uh, reminded you of yourself a little bit? Like, well, this, is, this is actually my first stop. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is my first stop. So this is our first program. This is, this is our first stop um, on the tour. We wanted to, one, so because this is the first one, we wanted to kind of do this today and understand the dynamics, where it can be better, how we can improve the different things here, and then kind of, you know, just let it grow organic. Nice, nice. Yeah. And one more thing. At the end of the day, what is the ultimate goal of the project? The ultimate goal is, is, is what you see, man. Being able to get kids in their environment to talk about a serious, serious subject, um, which is bullying, which is, 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 is prevalent around the country. And then creating these young kids to be the ambassadors to fight against it. Right. And uh, if you're young and you start fighting against the young, mm -hmm. that means you carry the torch every year. And like I said, with eighth graders, they have a whole crew of kids that look up to them. Right. If you're saying the right message, 
those kids gonna get the right message. And as they grow, it becomes the same thing. And now it becomes a movement right. instead of just a, a one-on-one thing. Right. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Can I get a photo? Yeah. That was my one-on-one interview with Theo Ratliff, talking about his career a little bit, talking about his experience with Allen Iverson, as well as his great anti-bullying tour. Now I have an exclusive peek at what he actually speaks about with the students during the tour. I got to sit in on his conversations with the students in Brownsville, as well as the uh, students' teachers and uh, professionals that work with them, giving their opinions on uh, everything that's going on in bullying and what they should be doing to help grow and, and make a better community for everyone around them. And I would say, honestly, these young men, you know, I've known a lot of them since they were younger. So, you know, we're a pre-K to eight school, so some of them have been here a very long time since they were babies. Um, but they do make choices independent of their friends at times. And I would say for the most, sometimes they do hold each other accountable. They may not, it, whether it be, like Sean said, by not joining in, mm-hmm. you know, or they may just, you know, walk away uh, from the situation to not, to, to send the message yeah. that it's not accepted. Yeah, no, 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 that You know, works. in that. Um, and some do have separate conversations with members on the staff that they feel comfortable speaking with if they choose to do so, you know, just to say, like, this is something that may be occurring. I don't want any parts of that, but yeah. I'm just letting you know just okay, in, to right. ensure the safety yeah. of someone else. Right. So, you know, yeah, as, as they get older, they make those choices. And, um, we, you know, I'm, I'm proud of them as the young men that they are. And they know that I'm really hard on them a lot. And But we have a lot of conversations about the expectations in the future and what's expected of them. And Ms. Griffith and the rest of, I think Mr. Arangio, the teacher was here a second ago, um, who, you know, just speaks to them about life, like real life. This is a small moment in time, but the decisions that you make now definitely impact the future. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, small moment in time, that's an amazing concept. One of the things that we push is that hard work is a habit. Uh, I can tell you, there's a lot of people with talent. But what separates the people who have talent versus the people who make it is often hard work being a habit. No, I love the the whole and one mixtapes and all that other stuff and all them cats. And they are talented enough to be maybe on the next level. But sometimes it's choices. Sometimes it's a habit of working to the level of degrees that these some of the best athletes in the world are on. It's hard work being happy. So when we get on you about doing your homework, you know, that's not that big a deal. She don't even check it every day. It's not about it's not about the homework by itself. That's important. But it's about learning how to keep that hustle spirit. You know what I mean? The days of just knowing how to land a jump shot is done. Everybody know how to do that now. I'm a thousand years old, nine thousand pounds, I can do jump shot. I can't do what he do. You know what I mean? So learn how to work hard as a habit. 
Learn to make everything a challenge. All right, and in terms of the whole bullying thing, uh, I've dealt with most of y'all on some mm -hmm. level or another. Mm -hmm. Like I said, most of y'all have the courage in your spirit mm. to be the leaders. Mm. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But I'm gonna challenge y'all, because y'all my cool dudes. <laughs> I need y'all to make right, exactly. I need y'all to make anti-bullying cool. Yeah, oh wow. Exactly. I need y'all to make it. I like that. Like, y'all get mad at me, because I'll snatch y'all up in a minute. <laughs> and I'll challenge y'all. That's because we identify y'all as the leaders. Josiah wanted to beat me up last year. <laughs> he did. Because then I, I, I said, I apologize. I said, I'm being unfair to you. And I understand that. Yeah. But people follow you. Yeah. And if people are listening to what you say, maybe you should put more interest in what it is that you're putting out there. Because people, half the class wants to dress like you. That's your brand, like your brand. Everything, mm -hmm. and that's real. I don't mean yeah, to put you yeah. on the spot. Yeah. But I did that with you too. Yeah. I did that with you. You, because people just naturally follow you. I need y'all to make anti-bullying cool. And I'm not just worried about y'all not bullying, because that's, that's not what y'all do. I'm worried about y'all not being bystanders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't witness it. Y'all have the power to affect it and change it. Mm -hmm. And since everybody's following y'all, and everybody want to be like y'all, y'all can make whole anti-bullying culture mm -hmm. change for the neighborhood, mm -hmm. not just in the school. Mm -hmm. That's power, y'all. Mm -hmm. That's real power. But mm -hmm. you know, messing with a kid smaller than you in the bathroom, that's not power. That's funny. Changing the lives of every generation that follows you, mm -hmm. that's power. Yeah. Last thing. Understand your legacy is being set. Every decision that you make is going to make you a step closer to your goals or a step farther. I don't, I, and it's going to sound bad, and I, I apologize. I'm not worried about y'all. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about people who follow <coughs> they're going to do. Mm -hmm. I want y'all to be able to come back yeah. and walk in the building and everybody go, dang, I remember him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. 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 And I want your presence when yeah. you walk in the room. Y'all never quiet. Y'all got quiet. <laughs> exactly. So when y'all walk in, uh -huh. I want y'all to make an impact. I stay on you. Stay on you. Because I see the impact that you have on people. Mm -hmm. Secret, I was y'all. I didn't play basketball. I was a football dude. <laughs> but... I was the same person. I used to fight. I was a hood kid from Brownsville. And I realized for some crazy reason, young people like to listen to me. It's kind of the reason why I got the job I got. Because <laughs> young people don't look at me the same way that they look at other adults. So I have access. Please, guys, use the power that, that has been given to you. Y'all are blessed beyond belief. And I'm not talking about your jump shots. Some of y'all need to work on your left hand. <laughs> I'm saying, y'all all got the spirit. Y'all got that courage. Y'all got that leadership in you. A couple of days, you, you, you being in the building, I snatched you up. So, 
you can see it, it's tangible. Use it. Don't waste it. This bitch, when she came in the building, I knew immediately, I was like, mm, yeah. She, she about to be about something. I didn't know at the time she was going to be the principal here. Neither did I. Mm. <laughs> That's real. That's real talk. Okay. 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 But I was like, mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What she got to say, I'm going <laughs> to. Wow. That's real talk. You, Brother Chris been in the building. Right. Longer than me. And I got 16 years. Mm. You know what I mean? He could walk anywhere here. And he's well respected in this community because of the legacy he left. Because of the lives of the children he's touched. When he walks through this building, that could be y'all. That could change the world. One of y'all make it. All of and us everybody's make it. listening to your voice, mm -hmm. man. You can move continents. So stop thinking small. Think big. And I'm not just talking about your Personal job thing. aspirations. Yeah. Understand, y'all got the power to move mountains. Mm -hmm. And that's why I stay on y'all. You also see the, the gentleman that's here. He, he could have said, all right, NBA, I made it. Good, I made it. Great. And, but now he's here giving back, sharing that information about his experiences and how it led to where he is today to give back, to inspire and encourage the next generation and the generations thereafter that. You know, you guys know I bring my son all the time. My son looks up to you guys. He want to yeah. be a boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. he does. So my he, son a boy. Right. He so he's, down. He's a, it's because, yeah. you know, you guys look up to players that are, that are um, in the NBA now. He, he looks at you. My son looks looking at you guys as to how can he improve his game. It's, it's all of that. It's a whole cycle of everybody helping each other. So it's, it's, it is about your success, but it's also about how are you making others successful. So by not paying attention, you know, by stepping in when you see bullying, saying something, helping somebody out, not recording it on a video and putting it on Facebook, and then they come back and bring it to me and I see the video, and, you know, then it changes something else. Like, be the voice. And I will say one thing about social media, um, colleges... Look and that. jobs. Yes. And police. And police. police. Yeah. When somebody asks me for a job, I'll the first thing I do is, is Google their name. Yep. And I look at their tweets. And I look at their Facebook. And I look at their Snapchat. And this stuff never goes away. So what you do today, you'll be 25 years old. Come and talk to me about a $150,000 a year job. And I'm Googling something that you did 10, 12 years ago. I can't have that right now. So you got you guys got to be on point mm -hmm. with everything. Mm -hmm. Even if you, I'm careful with what I even like or retweet. Right. I might follow it. Right, exactly. I'm not retweeting and I'm right. not liking right. it. Right. And I own my own company. Right. But I know true. clients might look at that, and right. that's my money. Mm -hmm. Never want to mess with your money. Right. <laughs> Never. Man, you talk about you know you grow up and you play the game. Listen, you and, you know, you, you put in a lot of work, and, and a lot of it I didn't even consider work. I mean, I just had love for basketball, period. So it didn't take me nothing but to be out there by myself for five or six hours. It was on the court. Not even really working on that. Just playing, just shooting around and messing around with the ball and doing different, trying to do different moves and things like that. Um, and then get to the point where I can play against adults and, and, and start to learn, because and, I was terrible. <laughs> I mean, 
I'd rather work than anybody in here. I was, couldn't even walk and chew gum. I was that clumsy, um, you know, coming up. Um, so I didn't. I got cut from my junior high team when I tried out my seventh grade year. I didn't make the team. Yeah, I mean, but you know, all it did was drive. It drove me to go grab that basketball because I knew I had love for it. I drove it every day in the in the yard and the, you know shooting in tire rims and everywhere, you know. Um, so I knew I had love for it. So I wouldn't even really even think about the NBA. You always emulated NBA players, you know, when you were playing. But you know, the NBA was the farthest thing from my mind. You know, I didn't think I had a shot. And then once I got a chance to go to college, but I knew. It was all about trying to get better for that particular time. You know, I didn't make the seventh grade team. I was gonna make sure I made the eighth grade team. So I knew I had to put that work in, be dedicated, and do get stronger and all that type of stuff. You know, and there wasn't no weight room. I was just doing push-ups and sit-ups and jumping on everything I could find, jumping up on top of it, um, just trying to develop my skill level, you know, just through natural stuff. Um, and then once I made that eighth grade team, got to ninth grade, got off of the high school team, got cut. <laughs> so, so we didn't make that. So it was just more drive to continue to do more and more and try to be better. Um, getting out there, just working from the time I got out of school. You know, I used to take some butt whoopers for not going home doing that homework. <laughs> I used to be back behind school playing ball. Um, but you know, and, and my mom and I we, we laugh at it now, but she was serious. <laughs> she was serious about that. But um, but you know I had to I just loved it that much that I made sure I got my work because she pulled me out of school. I mean not out of school, but she pulled me off the team. I did make the team because I my grades dropped. I wasn't doing the homework and stuff like I was supposed to. I was coming home tired and, and wasn't getting that homework done. So she was like, okay, either you gonna do this or you're not gonna play basketball. I was like, oh, you almost, you almost shot me anywhere you did that. So, so I was like, I knew I had to step up and do what I needed to do in order to, to get to that level, next level. But everything was a stepping stone. So from that ninth grade, from that, my big that ninth grade high school team, I played on the the, um, the junior varsity team. Just continued to work, continued to work, got better. Made it my sophomore year. Sophomore year, I was kind of okay, you know, getting better. You know, skills was getting there. And then by the junior year, <laughs> I was leader of the team. Mm. You know, dominating, you know, making all state and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but yet and still, I'm from a small town. I mean, y'all might have more people in y'all block. You know, I had 5,000 people in my own town. You know, so it was a small town. So, <laughs> <laughs> really thinking about, um, thinking about the NBA, it was about trying to get that scholarship to get to college. I didn't want to put that burden on my mom. You know, she had a single parent, three kids. You know, so continue to work, continue to work. Got, got the scholarship, made it to Wyoming. Had an opportunity to go try for the USA team uh, my sophomore year. And that's when I really understood my talent because I'm blocking shots. I'm playing against the Tim Duggins, the McDice, and KGs, and all that. And, you know, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. 
and I might have a chance. And then I saw those guys that went ahead of me. Then I saw okay, NBA, first round, you know, top picks and all that stuff. Okay, I might have a chance. I just got to keep working, get stronger, and it just became, like I said, the stepping stone. And even when I got into the NBA, started in Detroit, it was about the growth. Worked hard, stayed there all summer, worked with the trainers, worked with the coaches, got better. Did the middle thing, understanding film, understanding how, how the game worked. Got better at the game. Got traded to Philadelphia, it was the worst team in the NBA at the time. They had just drafted uh, Allen Iverson. It was uh, after his first year. Uh, they had, I think they had won 13 games, and it was like 13 and 35 or something like that. And I became a staple of that team from from the start of the year. So I, I went from being in Detroit where we had a good team that was going to the playoffs to a bad team where we wouldn't want to make the playoffs. But I looked at it as an opportunity for me because now I'm going to get a chance to be a starter. <laughs> I'm going to be a starter. I know I got, I got a chance to really show my talent. I got a chance to show my talent. And then I was able to sign one of those big contracts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I became an all-star, you know, in Philly. You know, so, so it, it, it's all about the different steps. You are where you are right now, set small goals. You want to be negative, set small goals. Like you said, got to graduate to eighth grade. You got to work, do what you need to do on the floor, do, do all these different things. That's, that becomes, that's your discipline. And that's what, you know, and that's what it teaches you. That's what the game teaches you. It teaches you how to be disciplined and how to work. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it's good to be able to come and, and speak to you, young man. You know, I do this a lot. I did it throughout, you know, the time I was playing in different places that I played. Um, I always get a joy out of it because I know you guys respect me and you guys look up to what we, got, what we do as players. You know, it's a lot of guys that do give back and do a lot of different things around the country. But I just want to make sure that me being in the position that I am, that I'm in, that I try to help as many kids and, and do different things around the country as I can. So it, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to today's show. Special thank you to Danielle Wallace, as well as Theo Ratliff for being on the show. And as always, I'm open to your suggestions, any thoughts on the show. Hit me up at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter, as well as on Instagram. I will hit you back, whether it's in the comments section or you want to send a DM. Be bold. I don't know. But uh, as always, thank you very much. And uh, check in next week. This has been Sports Social with Eddie Sin Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.